Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 6. We are going through um, a year-long sermon series. This is week number three. So, so far so good. I know we'll get to at least week five or six, but so far we've done three weeks out of a year, which I feel really accomplished about. I feel really good. I take pride in the fact that I've stayed with it for a week. So um, tell me your congratulations on your own, pl- on your own time, but I'm trying my best, y'all. We're going to do it at least to the, at least to Easter. If I get from now till Easter just talking about going through the Gospels, I think we've done really well. So that's our goal. And then if we get anything past Easter, it's all because of the Lord and because uh, that's what he wants us to talk about. So um, one quick update. Uh, basketball update. We played a game yesterday. We got our first loss yesterday. Can I get some sympathy, y'all? Like, give me a little, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, we took our first loss yesterday. We got down eight to nothing, and the boys just went, just crumbled. A little pressure, a little, a little pushback, and the boys couldn't handle it. And it was not good. So, however, in the fourth quarter, we outscored the team in the fourth quarter. We played really good defense in the fourth quarter. We were down 15 by that time, so it really didn't matter. But we kept playing, and we played good at the end, uh, which gives us something to look forward to. Um, And nobody got arrested. So, all in all, it was a decent day. It was a pretty good day. Um, So, keep your prayers coming for my basketball coaching skills, which I have very little, um, but help me out. So, Thank you so much. All right, let's read here. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. As we go through these 15 verses, um, let me kind of give you a heads up. We are not going through these 15 verses like a normal good Wesleyan sermon would be with three points and two sub points on each point. Um, I have no points today. We're going to go through this Bible study style. We're going to look at kind of verse by verse kind of deal and go through it and break it down and see what we can learn that way. And then maybe by the end of the 15 verses, hopefully maybe you've learned something. If not, we'll leave the rest of it up to the Lord. Amen. All right, here we go. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread 
for each one to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small fish or five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There is plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed, those to among, uh, distributed them to among those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather up all the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the barley loaves and left over by those who had eaten. Verse 14, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So there we read a very popular um, miracle, or remember we talked about last week, a sign that John calls it, a sign that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember, everything in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, there are seven miracles. John calls them seven signs. We talked about this last week. John 20 tells us, who I wrote down these things. We, uh, I got record of all these miracles or these signs to point to, to let you know that he is who he said he is. He will do what he said he will do, and so that you may believe in him. So here we see a miracle or a sign, as John calls it, of a uh, popular miracle that Jesus, when Jesus feeds 5,000 people from a few loaves of bread and a few fish. But before we talk about the miracle, let's look at verse number one. It says, sometime after this. That's how verse one starts. Now, if you're a good Bible student, like I know that you are, when you read sometime after this, what does that mean? Sometime after what? What just happened? This is like the word therefore. You all know about the word therefore. When you see therefore in scripture, you've got to find what therefore is therefore. So you've got to go before that to see what happened. When you read here, if you're just picking up your Bible on um, a normal Wednesday morning and in your devotional, you read John chapter 6, but didn't read John chapter 5, and you read here sometime after this, there's a reason that John wrote down sometime after this, and the reason being is because he wants you to know what happened sometime after that. <laughs> Does that make sense? So, what happened at the end of John chapter 5? Let me tell you what happened at the end of John chapter 5. There's a section. There's about eight or nine verses right there at the end of John chapter 5 where Jesus is giving testimony. Where Jesus is giving testimony about himself. Not only is he giving testimony about himself, but he's giving testimony to John the Baptist's testimony about himself. Not only is he giving testimony to his word, not only is he giving testimony to John the Baptist's word, but he's also giving testimony to the Father. And what he's doing there in the last part of John chapter 5 is he's giving the disciples and he's giving the Pharisees that are and the people that are around, he's giving them a glimpse into who he really is without pulling back the whole curtain. He is saying, I and the Father are one. We're together. I'm the one that Moses wrote about. He even goes back to the Old Testament and said, Moses wrote about me. Moses, the prophet that you all love and follow and obey, the, one of the greatest prophets ever. Uh, he wrote about me. Jesus is telling them, giving them an insight about who he is, 
what he has planned without coming right out and saying, I'm the son of God. Everybody follow? So right after that, we see this miracle here in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. So what's the point of Jesus telling who he is and then doing what he said he will do? Well, the point for this, and hopefully he gives you encouragement today, is that Jesus not only talks the talk, but he walks the walk. Those of you that are country people like myself, you know exactly what I mean. Right, boys? Do we know what that means? Thanks. Thanks. It's not someone who just talks a good game but doesn't live a good game. It's not just someone who's got a lot of biblical knowledge but no life knowledge. Jesus is saying this, I am the Son of God, basically is what he said. He said, I'm the Father in one. Moses wrote about me. I am the coming Messiah. I am the prophet. I am the great prophet. That's me. Jesus speaks it, but he also, here in John chapter 6, we see that he lives it out. Jesus talks about it, but he also lives it out. He doesn't just talk about it, or he doesn't just live it out. He does both. He talks it. And he lives it. I believe today one of the greatest dangers the American church can fall into and has fallen into is not modeling Jesus here in John chapter 5 and chapter 6. The Christian, the believer, the follower, the disciple, you can get yourself in a great deal of trouble and can make Jesus look terrible by being one or the other. Here's what I mean. Jesus says to the disciples uh, later in the Gospels, he said, you guys, you, you, not to the disciples, to the Pharisees. He says to the Pharisees, you guys honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Jesus is saying this, you may sound good, but you don't live good. We have modeled here in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, sounds good. He knows the word. He speaks the word. He speaks of the Father, but he also lives out what he knows. Can I encourage you today? If your lifestyle does not match up with your words, then my friends, you are not doing Jesus any favors whatsoever. You may come in here every Sunday. And you may sing some songs and worship and feel really good. And then walk out the doors in 25 minutes and completely never speak Jesus again. Completely never live Jesus anymore until next Sunday at 10 o'clock when you come in here, you sing some songs, and we go through the whole routine over and over again. I believe nothing makes Jesus look worse. Nothing hurts the cause of Christ more than words and actions not meshing together. Jesus here models for us, I speak it and I do it. I'm afraid that today the church is in a spot where they do a lot of good speaking, but not a lot of doing. Or they do a lot of good doing, but they don't do a lot of good speaking. If you're going to worship the Lord with your words today, make sure you worship him with your actions as well. Don't come in here singing how much you love the Lord and then go eat lunch and be a jerk to your waiter or waitress. Right? Yeah. Some of you that have worked in customer service, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you, anybody that works with people, you know what I'm talking about. 
Don't come in here singing praises and then go be a jerk to your kids. If you're going to live like the Lord in here, do it out there. In the workplace, at the store, in the long line when you're waiting, in the car when you're driving up 64 and somebody cuts in front of you or somebody's driving really slow and you're five minutes late because you took too long to get your hair ready. Whatever it is, I never have that problem. If you keep your hair cut short like me, you don't have those kind of problems, right? Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to follow the model of the Lord here in John chapter 6. Not only speak about it, but be about it. You love the Lord, let's see it. Not here. Not here. It's easy to love the Lord here. Amen? It's out there. It's out there. It's out there where people don't care what you think. It's out there where people don't agree with what we're doing in here. It's out there where people don't love you the way we do here. It's out there where people will attack and attack and attack. And lots of times it's easy for us to attack back. Can I encourage you that if you know the Lord's forgiveness here, if you see God's grace in here, if you see God's mercy at work here, live it out there. Amen? So John chapter 6, verse 1 says, after this, we see Jesus talking about it, and then we see him living it out here in this story. Uh, so keep reading. John chapter 6, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the other side of the shore, Sea of Galilee, uh, the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs and wonders he had performed by healing the sick. I think it's amazing, I think it's wonderful, I think it's great that here we see Jesus having a great crowd of people around him just by him simply speaking about who he is, by him being him, by him not trying to be anything he's not, just by Jesus being Jesus, doing Jesus things, we see a great crowd of people coming around Jesus. I do think it's interesting, though, that Jesus didn't have the best band in town, but he still got a bunch of people to listen to him. Isn't that crazy? Jesus didn't have the coolest children's ministry going in town, but there were still over 5,000 men, maybe 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people were there listening to him talk. Isn't that cool? There was no donuts. Jesus didn't have any donuts. There was no coffee. There was no padded pews. No lights, no smoke machines, no, no uh, seat, no chairs, no recliners, no TVs with the words on them to follow along. But still we see here that Jesus, just simply him being him, him doing what he did. The Bible says there, we just read it, that people heard about the signs people heard about the miracles and they wanted to see it they wanted to be a part of it just Jesus being Jesus drew people to him I think I told you guys about how I feel about church outreach if not let me share with you again real quickly some time ago I heard on Larry King live everybody remember Larry King this is how long ago this has been there was a popular preacher on there 
And Larry King asked this guy, he said, how come you never preach about sin and hell and forgiveness? And this, this preacher, he said, well, I think that people hear that a lot. And people know they're not right. People know they're sinners. People know they need help. People know all that stuff, and they just don't want to hear it no more. And I thought, wow. And I'm afraid that the church as a whole has kind of taken on that same thought. Can I tell you what church outreach should look like? Church outreach should look like the church being open and honest in love, in sharing the desperate need that everybody has for the salvation through Jesus Christ. This preacher said, I think people know they're sinners. Can I tell you a secret? No, they don't. No, they don't. If they did, if we did, if everybody knew the wretchedness, the horribleness, the situation that sin puts you in and how it separates you from the Father, and if they understood the eternal um, damnation that comes with sin, every church in every county and every state in the whole world would be packed out every single week. Everybody would be on their knees weeping and crying, searching for God to save them. But that's not where we're at today. Amen? Why? Because people don't know. People don't know how desperate of a need it is that we have for Jesus Christ to forgive our sins so that we may have eternal life and live with him forever. People don't know. This part of the country where we live here in the South, they know about church. They know about the church. They can tell you all about the church. They can sing church songs. We can sing, 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 sing church songs. We can come to church every Sunday. We can come. That's not church outreach. Church outreach is sharing the desperate need that we all have for Jesus and sharing the fact that Jesus Christ is available to them, to you and to everybody. Here we see Jesus draw a crowd just by him being him. He didn't need the cool stuff to draw a crowd. All he needed was him. And can I encourage you today that if you want your family to fall in love with the Lord, it starts with you being like Jesus, speaking it and living it. It starts with you being like Jesus simply sharing the love of God in honesty, in love, being open, being real, sharing your failures, sharing your victories that God has performed through you, you being you, you being who God created you to be, not trying to be anybody different, not trying to do anything outside of your availability and talents and skills and being able to do what God has called you to do, you being who you are, who God has made you to be, sharing with people how God has changed your life, there's nothing that will make Jesus look better than you sharing your failures and then sharing the victories through Jesus on right behind that. Amen? Lots of times we believe we think we make Jesus look good when we got all our junk together. Right? Like we look good on the outside, 
Family's great. Job's great. Jesus is great. He's blessed me a thousand times. Everything's great. If that's your story, I'm happy for you. That ain't mine. And my guess is that ain't yours either. I don't know about you, but sometimes my life is a mess. Physically and spiritually. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I don't feel very Christ-like. I don't feel very Christian. And sometimes I don't treat my wife very Christ-like. There are times where I don't treat my kids very Christ-like. There are times when I think unchristlike thoughts towards some of you. But just like one or two of you, not all of you. <laughs> just, you know, one, but other than that. <laughs> One's my man. One's my man. It would be nice if we had, all of us had our junk together, right? That's not life. Life has the ability to turn your mess upside down, shake it all out so everybody sees it. And can I tell you, that's okay. Because Jesus looks so much better when he does what he's supposed to do. When he does what he came to do. He come to take your mess. He come to take your sin. He come to take your junk of a life and to put it together. Today, and he can put it together tomorrow, and when it gets dumped upside down three months from now, he's still there helping you up, picking you up, and putting your life back together time and time and time again. When we are open and honest with our people that we want to share the love of the Lord with, we're not making Jesus look good by pretending to be something we're not. We're making Jesus look good when we share how good Jesus is, how much he's changed our life, how much he loves us, and how he wants to do the same for them. Amen? So here we see Jesus just being Jesus, just doing what Jesus does. We have a crowd of people coming to Jesus. Jesus realized these people were hungry. So he asked Philip in verse 7, no, verse 5 says this. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Notice Jesus asked Philip a directional question. He said, Where should we buy bread? Where should we go to get enough food for these people to eat? Now, verse 6 tells us that this was only a test because Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. That's a good verse. Amen? Can I share with you today that no matter what kind of mess, no matter what kind of trouble you're into, Jesus already has in mind what he wants to do with you. Jesus already has a plan for you. Jesus already has ideas and plans for your life that you may know nothing about. But we can trust in his plan. We can trust in his timing. We can trust in his word that he has plans to prosper us. He has good plans for us, not to harm us, but he already has a plan for you. You may find yourself today in a valley. You may find yourself today in a struggle, in pain, in a time of questions and no answers. Trust in the Lord's plan. He's got a plan for you. So look at, look at Philip's answer. Jesus said, where can we get some food? Philip said in verse 7, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Notice Jesus said, where? And Philip's answer was what? We ain't got enough. 
Jesus said, where can we get some food? Philip's answer was, what we don't have. We don't have enough money. It doesn't matter where. We don't have enough money to get the food. Pop quiz. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> right? That's the wrong answer by Philip. What's the right answer? Yes, he will. You know what Philip should have said? You. Jesus said, where do we get food? Philip should have said, you. You're the one. You're the one that provides. I've seen the signs. Remember last week we talked about John chapter 2, water and the wine? I've seen the signs. I've seen it. There's a couple more coming up right after this. Jesus is getting ready to walk on water. He's getting ready to tell them that he's the bread of life, and anyone who comes after him will, not ever, will never hunger and thirst again. Jesus showed them the signs. Philip saw the signs. Philip seen the water turned into wine. Philip's been with Jesus for a little while at this time, but he didn't realize who he was with. Jesus said, where do we get the food? Philip said, we don't have enough. Philip was focused on what they didn't have all the time he completely missed out on what they did have and what did they have they had the son of god they had the jehovah jireh they had the great provider they had the one that could do for them what no one else could do for them they didn't have enough money they didn't have enough physical food but what they did have was the holy one that sustains this whole life that holds this whole show together they had the messiah they had the savior of the world they had the son of god jesus christ in their presence and they didn't even know it i wonder how many times today in your life and my life that jesus calls me to do something jesus moves in my heart and in my life and my response is, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience. <laughs> I don't have enough. When Jesus calls, he's not calling you on what you don't have. He's calling you with what you do have. And what you do have and what they had is him. But they missed it. Philip was focused on what they didn't have, focused on what they lacked, fo focused on how much they were, were missing. And he was not focused on the fact that they had the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in their presence. I want to take five minutes, and then we'll be done, maybe five minutes. And I want to talk with you about focusing on Jesus, how we keep our focus on Jesus. I read a story this week. The story goes like this. There was a Russian security guard standing outside keeping watch at a Russian plant several years ago. Every evening outside of this plant, a man uh, had walked by wheeling a wheelbarrow with a brown bag in it for weeks and weeks, even months and months. Every night, a man would come by with a wheelbarrow and a brown bag in it. The security guard would ask him every night, what do you got in the bag? He would open it up, and it would be wood chips and sawdust. He said, this is to heat my home. No big deal. So after a couple of weeks of this, the security guard said, listen, bro, I know you're stealing something, but I just don't know what it is. Just let me know what you're stealing, 
don't do it anymore, and it won't be no problem. You know what he was stealing? The wheelbarrows. The security guard was worried about the bag inside the wheelbarrow. What was inside the bag of the wheelbarrow? Sawdust and wood chips to heat his home. Completely missed out. He let go of weeks and weeks of wheelbarrows. The security guard's focus was on the wrong thing. In this story, Philip's focus was on the wrong thing. Who is that? There's somebody that agreed with what I just said. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you, buddy. We need more Nathaniels making a little noise when you agree. When you don't agree, you can boo, too. I don't mind. Just don't throw anything, okay? Thanks. We talked about last week, real briefly, not in-depthly. We talked about last week in Matthew 6.33 where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom and the righteousness. And then what happens? All these things will be added unto you. Here's what happens when our focus is on the things and not the kingdom. Our faith gets flipped upside down. Philip's focus was on the things. Philip's focus was on the food and what they didn't have. When our focus gets on the stuff, gets on the things, we completely miss out on what we do have. Can I challenge you today that wherever you see something that you lack, that you don't have, can I challenge you to stop right then and there and think about what God has done for you that day? Think about the breath you've just taken. Think about the clothes. Hopefully you'll have clothes on at that time. Think about the clothes you have. The food you've eaten, eaten, the food you've eaten, is that right, is that right, thank you. The people that you spoke to, change your focus from what we are missing to what the Lord has already provided. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, seek me first. Jeremiah 29 uh, 12 says, uh, seek me, God says, seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Notice, we're not seeking things, we're seeking him. Seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. When our focus is on the Lord, it changes our whole perspective. It changes our whole life. No longer do we worry about what we don't have. We see what he's already provided. The very next verse here, we see that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he come up to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I have a solution. We got a boy here. He's got some barley loaves. He's got some small fish. But that's not going to do a whole lot because we have people, we have a lot of people here. Now, while Andrew or Philip's focus was on what they didn't have, Simon's focus was at least on a solution and what they did have, what the Lord had already provided. Now, he didn't understand what was getting ready to happen, of course, but at least his focus was on a solution. Can I challenge you? We'll be done in five minutes. Can I challenge you to focus on what the Lord has already done and not what you're lacking? When that happens, your life will change. Only Jesus can take that little that he's already done 
and multiply it into a life-changing moment in your life. Only Jesus can take that little that he's already given you and multiply it to do more in your life than what you could ever imagine. And I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about resources. I'm talking about hospitality. Whatever it is, anything that you think you're lacking, let's focus on what the Lord has already done for us and let him take that and multiply it in our lives today. Real quickly, I got four things to tell you to help you keep your focus on the Lord throughout the day. Number one, focus on the Lord first thing in the morning. Any morning people in the house? God bless you. I am not. I am not. I am not. I struggle. I don't like going to sleep at nighttime. So I stay up late and then struggle in the mornings. I'm, the, I'm the, the odd breed that don't like going to sleep, but don't like waking up either. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I don't like laying down, but I don't like getting up either. I think that morning people are great and inspiring, and I wish I was one, but I'm not. Some people get up and read the word in the morning. I'm happy for you. Great. Some people get up and go exercise in the morning. Wonderful. Some people get up and cook breakfast and have a full meal and all that kind of good. Great. I wake up and lay around for about 10 or 15, 30 minutes and then stumble out of the bed, do the morning routine, and I just sit there thinking like, oh, I'd love to go back to sleep. Except for this morning. I was preparing this stuff all week, thinking about focusing on the Lord. And I thought, Sunday morning, I'm doing it different. So this morning, you know what happened? My alarm went off at 6.30. I hit the snooze for the next 30 minutes. But instead of getting up and stumbling around my morning routine, I sat up in the bed, I sat there for a few minutes, and I focused on the Lord first thing today instead of my focus being on how much I don't want to get up focus my focus was not on how cold it was my focus was not on everything we got to do today I got up for the first three minutes this was after my alarm had gone off several times Callie had come in there to try to wake me up I sat up in the bed and I simply thought about Jesus for three minutes before I got my day started if you're serious about focusing on the Lord, start your day focusing on the Lord. Number two, end your day focusing on the Lord. Before you lay down tonight, take some time to think, to pray, to praise about all the good things God has done for you today. Don't think about what you lack, right? We're not going to be Philip in this story. We're going to be Andrew. We're going to look at all the things the Lord has already done for us today. Start your day focused. End your day focused. Number three, find out what takes your focus away from the Lord and then run from it. Flee from it. If there's people make you stop focusing on the Lord, get away from them. 
If there's certain times of the day that takes your focus away from the Lord, change your routine as best you can. If there's certain actions that cause you to get your focus off the Lord, stop! If we're serious about living with the Lord, then we'll do whatever it takes. Amen? We'll do whatever it takes. And finally, number four, sometime during the day, a lot of times during the day preferably, have a faith-based conversation with somebody. Talk about Jesus with the people around you. When you talk about something, that means you're thinking about it. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Sometimes I talk about stuff that just comes out without me thinking about it. I need to stop that. <laughs> That's how you get yourself in trouble, right? Anybody been there? Just me. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Talk about Jesus during your day. I love Callie a lot. You're the best. The very best. However, how do you think she would feel if she were to find out that I never speak about her at all except when we're together? Or I never think about her except when we're together? Did you like that? It ain't happening, baby, because I love you. I talk about her. I talk about the kids. I talk about my buddies. I talk about them to them. I talk about them to you all. Why? Because I'm thinking about them throughout the day. The same is true with the Lord. When we think about the Lord, we will talk about Jesus. When we talk about Jesus, our focus is on Jesus. When our focus is on Jesus, it takes the focus off of all the things that we are lacking and puts our focus on what we do have. And my friends, the good news is we have Jesus Christ with us today. Amen. Let's stand together. That was a weak amen. Let's try that one more time. Susie, you ready? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stand together. Come on up, y'all. As we close, I want you to take a few moments as we sing. What song are we singing? Build My Life. That's a good one. If you do not know the words of this song, don't worry about it. We got you covered. But if we did not have you covered, I want to encourage you to close your eyes and just be quiet and just stand there with your heart and your mind focused on Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us at the end of the Gospels, and we'll talk about sometime this year, that he will be with us to the very end of time. Please know today that Jesus Christ is with you today. If you are a believer, if you are a follower, you have the Holy Spirit of God in your life, in your heart, available to you and with you at all times today. Can we focus on Jesus for a few minutes? But it doesn't end in here. Amen? We're taking it with us. Amen? We're taking it to the restaurant. I'm going to a birthday party with eight-year-old boys. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need the focus on the Lord in a few minutes. We're going bowling, laser tagging, all that good stuff. 
I need the Lord. <laughs> We're taking it home with us. We're taking it to work with us tomorrow. We're taking it to Walmart with us. Because when we focus on Jesus, all of a sudden, all the things that we lack disappear because we have the great provider with us. We have the one that can provide everything that we need for a miracle we have with us. Amen? Amen. Let's sing.